0: Well, praise Jesus. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap. I'm so glad you're in your new building. I can't handle it. Ah, oh, you can be seated. What a joy. But you got to make me feel at home. Aloha. Aloha. Oh, now I feel like I'm with family. Amen. And I'm just so thrilled to have Pastor Colleen with me. Pastor Colleen, would you stand, wave at everybody. She just keeps me going. I'll tell you what. She's a marvelous, marvelous wife and thankful to God that God gave her to me. And she put up with me for 45 years. Can you imagine that? Miracles still happen. <laughs> hey, there's some books in the back. Now, my problem was I didn't, I, I spoke in a number of other places and they were pretty well sold out. So, what's going to happen is you let them know what book you want. And we'll have it here by next Sunday. But let me just kind of tell you what's back there. A little book that I wrote called The Power of the Cross. Helps you understand what Jesus did for you on the cross. That is important. Somebody say amen. amen. A little book my wife wrote. It's a great book. It's called Life is Like a Garden Hose. It's parables from life. Tremendous. If you're interested in revival... I wrote a book on the great revival that happened in Hawaii called Hawaii's Great Awakening. One of the greatest revivals that happened in human history happened in Hawaii in 1836. And for the years following, powerful, powerful revival. I believe it's going to happen again. Somebody say amen. And a little book entitled Miracle on Maui, which tells the story of a church that God allowed me to go to. 1980 of 100 people exploded. First year, it grew to 700, became one of the fastest-growing churches in America. Today, we're in all these different locations. It tells some of the principles that God showed me. Now, I don't allow the church to grow, but principles for everyday life. How many know that's important? Say amen. And then I wrote three books that have to deal with the demonic. My dissertation at Fuller was the first of its kind, I dealt with the issue of demons, not something that you enjoy dealing with, but how many know all of us got to deal with them? This book is entitled, You Can Be a Winner in the Invisible War, Power of Binding and Loosing, that'll bless you. And then there was a book I wrote, it's not back there, it's called um, Closing the Forbidden Door, tells how demons infestate people and how you get rid of them. How many know that's a pretty good plan? Amen. Amen. And then this book, which I feel is one of the most significant messages God's given me, it's called Defiled, Overcoming Satan's Assault. Satan wants to destroy you, the people of God. And he has a strategy, and I share what it is and how you overcome it. Are you ready for the word? Are you sure? One of the sisters said she was here in the first service. She came back for more. Thank you, Jesus. Now that got me excited. Stand to your feet. We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 17. And I want to take a moment because I want you to read the word with me. Is that all right? Yes, sir. I said, is that all right? Yes, and uh, we're going to believe God for not just a good word. I want the Holy Ghost to show up. Because yeah. if the Holy Ghost shows up, yes, sir. then everything changes. In one moment, the word becomes manifested in your life. Are you still with me? Let's read from Exodus chapter 17. And I'm going to read fast, but you can read right along with me. I'm reading from the New King James Version. So let's, let's read it together. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. "'Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill "'with the staff of God in my hand. "'So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, "'and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. "'As long as Moses held up his hands, "'the Israelites were winning. "'But whenever he lowered his hands, "'the Amalekites were winning. "'And when Moses' hands grew tired, "'they took a stone and put it under him, "'and he sat on it. "'Aaron and Hur held up his hands.' one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remain steady till sunset. Everybody say, till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it the Lord is my banner everybody say it with me the lord is my banner he said because hands were lifted up against the throne of the lord the lord will be at war against amalek from generation to generation let's pray come on people you got the freedom to pray with your spirit just begin to pray right out loud in the holy ghost spirit of the living god come in power holy ghost i need you to move today I don't want to just speak a nice word. I want your power to be demonstrated today in the lives of your people. So I pray, Holy Spirit, come. Come in power, come in might. Come upon this congregation. Give us ears to hear, a heart to respond, eyes to see. Holy Spirit, come upon me. Give me great liberty to speak your word with power. May when we leave here today, may we know we have heard the word of the Lord and our lives are changed. So I thank you for what you're going to do, and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I have a huge staff of over 100 and something pastors and ministers. I was on the phone with my Hawaii team. I meet with all of them every week from all over the world to all over the mainland to all over Hawaii. I was in our staff meeting, and one of my pastors, Pastor Steve Franks, pastor's my extension in Kawhi said, Pastor, I just asked my congregation a question. And the question was this Is anyone on the hill? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Son, you preach on that. You preach on, and on this trip, I've preached this word. Is anyone on the hill? Turn to your neighbor and ask them, Is anyone on the hill? hill? Said, Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? Well, this text gives us an incredible picture. There was an enemy of Israel. They were called the Amalekites. And the Israelites are attacked by them. Now, one thing you got to know about the Amalekites was that they were of the lineage of Esau. They were rebellious people. And in Deuteronomy 25, 18, we see how evil they were. It says, when Israel uh, (coughs) was... Weary, they were traveling from, as you know, Egypt to Canaan. When they were weary and worn out, the Amalekites would attack all who were lagging behind. They had no fear of God. These were evil, evil people. So evil that God said, I'm going to blot them out from under heaven. So Moses commissions Joshua to raise an army. And you see Joshua and his army fight against the Amalekites. But you see something else very unusual. Moses goes up to a hill that's overlooking the battlefield. He goes up with Aaron and Hur. And something very unusual begins to happen. He's holding in his hand the rod of God. This was the rod that was stretched over the Red Sea, and the Red Sea parted. He's holding the rod of God... And on that hill, we begin to see that the battle is really on two levels, because there's the physical battle going on below. Joshua's fighting, but on the hill, when Moses lifted his hands with the rod of God, Joshua below began to win. But when he lowered his hands, the Amalekites began to win. What was happening below was really dependent on what was happening on the hill. There's a spiritual element that is very deep that affects the physical realm. The outcome of the battle is dependent on the spiritual. And Aaron and her began to see this, so they acted quickly. They had Moses sit down on a rock, and they held his arms up all day until Joshua won the battle. And you say, well, Pastor, what does that have to do with me? I'm living in the month of July in the Washington, D.C. area in the year 2016. What do I care about Moses lifting his hands over a battle that Joshua was fighting? You better care a lot because it's going to make the difference between whether you win or lose. You say, what do you mean? Well, the first thing I believe God's speaking to us is about that rod that Moses held it in his hand, the rod of God. Not only did it part the Red Sea, it was the rod that when it hit the rock, water came forth from the rock. It was the rod that Moses was holding in his hand when he met God at the burning bush, and when he threw it down, it became a serpent. When he lifted it up, it became a rod again. It was the rod of God. You say, well, what does that mean? It was the rod that expressed the authority of God in the world. And you think, well, pastor, so what? Think about this for a moment. Are you aware of the fact that God has given you his authority? Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he says, go and make disciples. The assumption is, I have all authority. I give it to you. Go get the job done. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses. You will receive power. Or authority. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Turn to your neighbor and say, You got authority. There's only one problem with that statement. If you don't know you have authority, you ain't got authority. And the greatest tragedy I think we have in the church is that God has given us authority and we don't even know we have it. And the devil runs havoc over us. You say, well, pastor, what do I do about it? You do the same thing as Moses did because here's where your authority is expressed. It's expressed in what Moses was doing on that mountain. You see, that authority was nothing but a stick. And you say, well, what am I? You know what you are? You're God's authority on the planet. What God's going to do on this planet, He's going to do through you. Turn to your neighbor and say, You're nothing but a stick. God uses sticks. Are you still with me here today? Now, you had your beauty sleep last night. You had a nice big breakfast, and I don't sleep on me right now. Come on now, come on, help me out. Say it with me. I have, I have authority. But that authority is expressed through what Moses was doing. He was lifting up his hands. What is that? It's a picture of praise and prayer. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy eight. He says, therefore, I want every man to lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. It's a picture of prayer. Yes, so the problem comes we have authority, but if we ain't praying, we ain't got no authority. And so oftentimes we find in the church, we, we, we don't have a problem complaining, but that isn't going to do much good. Is anybody standing on the hill? When I was a young man, my dad gave me a Bible and in the Bible, he'd written these words. If a minister of the gospel doesn't pray two hours a day, he's not worth a dime. I looked at that and figured I was worth a penny. Now, make make no mistake, I prayed three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You can tell by my anatomy I didn't pray long. You still with me here? But I resolved when I read that close to 47 years ago. If I'm going to do anything, I'm going to do that. Yes. I thought I was doing good, praying two hours a day till I went to Korea. Now, I want you to understand what's happened in Korea. Korea has the largest church in the world, pastored by Dr. Cho yong He's now retired. Church of a million people, way beyond that. I've stood before a million people that were in a prayer meeting at Yeouido Plaza. I've preached numerous times at the Olympic Stadium where 100,000 people had gathered for a prayer meeting. We get 10 people gathered for prayer in America, we think we've done something. And the first time I went there, we were overwhelmed, my wife and I, by the praying of God's people. I said, oh, Jesus, forgive us. This is a Buddhist nation that's quickly becoming a Christian nation. We're a Christian nation, quickly becoming a Buddhist nation. Make no mistake about it. The religion on the college campus is not Christianity; it's Buddhism. You say why? Because we stopped praying, we stopped exercising the authority God gave us. Nobody's on the hill. I was driving in one of the cars by one of the staff, and you know they're very upfront about prayer. And the staff member said, "How many hours a day do you pray?" Oh, I was ready. I said, I pray two hours a day. Boy, I felt proud of myself. There was silence. Finally, the staff member said, well, you know, you can't even be on Dr. Cho's staff unless you pray three hours a day. We're talking about the driver here. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Preachers in America don't pray. The way the authority of God is released is through prayer. And that's the picture as he had his hands raised. But it's not just praying. It's persevering prayer. Everybody say it with me. It's what? Persevering. We used to call it in old time Pentecost, praying through. You don't hear much of that anymore, praying through. See, because we live in an instant society. You know, you put some coins in the Coke machine, that Coke better come out or boy, that thing's going to get kicked. You know that. And we think that's the way God works. Well, I made my prayer. It's going to happen. In fact, there's even some who have a theology that say, well, if you pray more than once, then you didn't have faith. Oh, slap yourself. Where in the world did you get something like that? Now, if God speaks to you and says, it's answered, you don't need to worry about it, then you praise him from that point on. But if he didn't say anything, you fight. You persevere. You say, why? Because the battle is deeper than you know. You're fighting some Amalekites, and you need to pray through. If for just a moment, the spiritual realm was, the, the veil between the physical and the spiritual was ripped, and you saw your enemy, you'd be on the hill praying. The enemy isn't impressed by your charisma, isn't impressed by your talent and your good looks and how well you can sing or dance or study. He's impressed by one thing. You know the authority you have as you pray and you've heard the word of the Lord. Ask. Ask. In the Greek, it's ask and keep on asking. It's a present tense. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Jesus gives a parable in Luke 18, profound. He says men ought always to pray and not faint. And then he tells the story of of a widow woman who had nothing to give a judge. And the judge was unjust. And all she had was Perseverance. So he tells the parable of how this, how this widow woman, everywhere that judge went, she would scream, give me justice, give me justice. When he'd get up in the morning to go to the office, there she was, give me justice, give me justice. She stayed outside his office, banged on the door, give me justice, give me justice. When he walked home, give me justice. In fact, if you read the text, it says the judge was afraid she was going to attack him. Jesus' point was, if a widow woman who has no power except for perseverance is going to get an unjust judge to give her justice, how much more will the people of God who have a loving God that hears their prayer give them what they need? But the most amazing statement is at the very end of that parable, it makes no sense. Because it doesn't fit, it seems, what he just said. He says, "When the Son of Man returns, will He find faith on earth?" You go, "What in the world does that have to do with this story?" Everything, because faith is perseverance. You see, faith and hope go together. Faith is the substance; hope for hope is the goal. Faith is the action you take on the way toward it. If you really have faith, you're going to persevere until you see what you see in your spirit, what you see physically. You did that in this building. When your pastor declared about seven years ago, we're going to build a building, you said, sure we are. And we're going to build it cast. Oh, he's really crazy now. But you're sitting in it. Because somebody persevered. Are you still with me? But thirdly, it's a picture of how we need each other. Because as Moses was up there, his hands grew tired. And it was Aaron and Hur that kept his hands raised. It's important for us at times to pray together. I pray personally. I walk in the forest near my house. And I pray with the Lord personally. But every morning, I'm at the early morning prayer meetings. We have early morning prayer meetings every morning from 5.30 to 6.30 in all of our locations. Sometimes I go to the rodeo where it's near my home, and I pray with the group that's there. But many times I'll go down to the cathedral, and the prayer room is filled with people praying every single day. This morning, They just finished the prayer meeting. They started it at 6. My staff got there at 5.30 in the morning to pray for a half an hour. And then for an hour or 45 minutes, the people came. They filled the prayer room with over 120, sometimes 200 people praying. Holy Ghost praying. None of this meditating on your navel nonsense. I'm talking out loud. You say, where'd you get that? I got it from my dad. My dad was old time Pentecost. He prayed loud. I mean he prayed loud. In fact, it was wonderful because he could sit in the middle of our church. We were in we at the time. He was on my staff for two years from 1984 to 86. It was a funny thing to be the boss of your dad. But he'd pray. And see, it was great because he prayed so loud I could sit in the side of the building and sleep, and it was great because I was hitchhiking on his prayer. And one day, you know, because I'm educated. You know, I'm sophisticated. You know, everything's supposed to be cool. Nobody get excited. Just be cool. I said to dad, I said, dad, come on. You don't need to pray so loud. God's not deaf. I'll never forget what he told me. It was revelation. He said, God's not nervous either. So I'm trying to get a little bit more Pentecostal. I haven't got there yet. I'm trying. Help me. Come on. Help me. Help me. Help me. I'm trying, Jim. But the reason I can stand here before you today is because there's a group of people every morning praying for me. The only reason my church even exists because we've gone through many battles. I'm in five building programs right now. Give me a break. We have to build buildings all over the world. But I'm going to tell you what, every battle has been won because there's people that have joined together and they pray together. It's like riding a wave and you're on a surfboard. It's not the, it's not the, it's not the surfboard that's moving. It's the wave that's moving. And when you get in a group of people as they agree together in prayer, it's like you just join the wave and God's going to do something. I'm thrilled you have a prayer time on Friday nights. I'm thrilled on Wednesday nights you take time to seek the Lord in prayer. God wants to give you the city, the community, after the second service the Lord spoke to me. You know why God gave you this building? It wasn't so you could sit in fancy seats. Now this is a beautiful building. No question. I'm jealous. I told your pastor, no fair. (laughs) But you know why he gave you this building, don't you? It's because there's a world out there that needs Jesus. And you think you're in three services. It's nothing as to what God's going to do in the next few years. Because this building was built to touch them. (laughs) You can gather together and pray. But there's something else that I believe God's saying. And that is we must battle on two levels. We have to be a people that contend for our marriages. Come on, respect each other, love each other. That's a physical thing you do. Speak kind words to each other. Forgive each other. I mean, those are just basic things. Walk humbly. You don't have all the answers. I know you do think that you have all the answers, but you don't. And you walk humbly. When you're raising your children, realize these are world changers. Speak life, not death. Stop comparing them with the other sibling. Speak life. My parent, my, my kids would always remind me of the verse that Paul says, don't exasperate your children. They'd preach that over me all the time. I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You have to work on the physical. You say, I want to be wealthy so I can give. Well, how are you doing with what God's given you? If you're not a good steward of the $100, why would he give you a $1,000? i have had people say, oh, Pastor, pray for me. I'm going to Las Vegas. I said, you are? yeah, I'm going to win the jackpot. And, and you know what? I'm going I'm to tithe. I said, no, you're not. If you can't tithe on $100, don't tell me you're going to tithe on a million dollars. Anybody with me here today? On the physical, you have to do things. But do not forget the battle is won on the hill. Are you on the hill? Is anyone on the hill? How, How much time do you spend praying for your wife? for your husband, for your children, for the people on your job? How much time do you spend praying for your pastor and his family and for this team? How much time do you pray for our president and for the leaders of this nation? Oh, we complain all the time about their decisions, but how much time did you pray on the hill for them? Is anyone on the hill? I know what it means to have people on the hill. Just last week, Friday, something great happened. In the prophetic conferences, you know, Pastor Jim has come all these years. He's, he's, he's one of our prophets at our prophetic conference. You Man, you've got... You've got Pastor Brett, who's one of the greatest communicators on the planet. You better take good care of him. Because next time he comes to Maui, I'm going to kidnap him. He ain't coming back. My people love him. And Pastor Jim, one of the great prophets. Can you imagine God and all the staff? You need to cover them. They're tremendous. But in one of the prophetic conferences, there was a word that said, the vaults are going to be open. Now, when you're battling, I, I pray every day for $50,000 a day. I pray, give us this day our daily bread. You know what that means? In the Greek languages, it says this the bread of tomorrow today. That's exactly how it's written in the Greek. You go, whoa, that's weird. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. Tomorrow is the age of the kingdom of God. And here's what it's talking about God, give us the resources of heaven today. Give me the resources of heaven today. So every day I pray, give me my daily bread. I need $50,000 every day. Now that may mean a lot of money to you. You may just be rolling in lots of money, $50,000 a day and nothing to you. But to me, I need that every day for my ministry. I need it every day, every day. One day it's going to be $100,000 a day. And then $200,000, oh Jesus, help me gonna tell you, God's answering prayer. Last Friday, something happened. It took years, four years of praying, five years of praying. We bought a large shopping center in Honolulu. You don't buy shopping centers in Honolulu. A blade of grass is $100,000. I'm telling you what I'm talking about. We bought a shopping center a number of years ago. Our church on Maui spent $2 million a year just keeping it afloat, that extension. I rejoiced when it got down to a million a year, and then 300,000 a year. And uh, the Lord spoke to us to condominiumize the shopping center, and, and so I took the restaurant, Jack in the Box, condominiumized it. I took the Chinese restaurant and the, and, and, and the Japanese restaurant, condominiumized them, and condominiumized the whole thing, and made my church, which takes over half the shopping center, a condo Condominium. Last Friday, we closed escrow and all the condos except for my condo and 7 Eleven, because I wanted to keep 7 Eleven. It reminds me of Matthew 7 Eleven. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. If you ask your father for a piece of bread, will he give you a stone? How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask it? so I'm keeping 7 Eleven. Friday, last Friday, I love it, man. we closed escrow. Let me tell you what God did. Because I know what happens when you get on the hill. The entire shopping center was paid off. We are in our condo debt free. And that one condo we own, not talking about the 7 Eleven, just the condo we own, is $22 million. 7 Eleven adds only about 3 million, praise Jesus, but the condo. Debt free. Somebody slap yourself. It's awesome, it's wonderful. Is anyone on the hill? What are you doing not being on the hill? You're robbing yourself of the blessing of God. The Bible tells us we must watch and pray. Moses is up there watching and praying. He said, what in the world is that about? I'll tell you what it is. Yet you pray about everything. Paul says, pray about everything with prayer and supplication. Let your requests be known unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Pray about everything with prayer, with with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known unto God. Pray about everything. I was convicted the other day because one of the places I'm on the board about was having unique challenges financially, and I was praying for my daily bread every day, and God said, what about the, what about the institution you're on the board with? When are you going to pray for them? Oh, God, forgive me. As I was so consumed about my need, I forgot about others. Pray about everything. Everything. You reap what you sow. Oh, but this brings me to the final point of this message. Some of you are rejoicing right now. What's the end result of this prayer? What's the end result of being on the hill? Well, the first thing, it's probably the most important thing, I want you to say it with me. It's revelation. Everybody say it with me. What? Now now say it like you really heard what I just said. One, two, three. One, two, three. Revelation. Moses got a revelation of God. The Lord is my banner. You need a revelation of God being your banner. He said, well, I don't even know what that means. Well, the first thing it means is that you're identified with him. He's your banner. It's when, you know, in ancient history, which I studied, I thought I was going to be a professor on a college campus. And after I finished USC going on for the PhD, he said, I don't want you to be a professor. I want you to be a pastor. So I had to go back to school. But I studied Roman Republic. Oh, I know all about the Gracchi. You say, who are they? Who cares? <laughs> but one of the things that I noticed about the Roman army, they always carried into battle their standard, which was a pole, and on top of it was an eagle. And when you saw that, you said, that's the Roman army. Did you know you're God's standard in this world? When people see you, they see him. Yeah. You're identified with him. I'm Italian, but I'm more than Italian. I'm a Christian before I'm an Italian. Are you still with me? Secondly, God is speaking very clearly to us that he's going to fight our battles. He's our banner. He goes before us into battle. And thirdly, that enemy that you have right now, their days are numbered. Oh, somebody get excited in this house. You say, oh, I'm really going through it. You keep after it. The battle is yours because it's the Lord's. He will fight your battles. I know what I'm talking about. And finally, his promises are true. I love our prophetic conference when the words of the Lord come forth. I love to read the scripture and God highlights his promises are true, what he said he's going to do. And he has a purpose for all things. And if I flow in that purpose, oh, my and Moses said, oh, I know the purpose of God. He's going to blot out those Amalekites. What I see right now, I'm not going to see. They're going to be blotted out. God's purposes will be fulfilled. He's got a purpose for you, a purpose for this house. Here's the question. Is anyone on the hill? How much time do you take every day to pray? How much time do you take to gather here in this house to pray? Is anyone on the hill? Stand to your feet.